feature presentation. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the 105th episode of the Untitled Movie Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Matt Rohrbeck, alongside. He's allergic to tomatoes, but he is tomato meter approved. Eric Marchin. Matt, I don't like Mondays like Garfield. And now we've just heard that Chris Pratt has been cast, uh, uh, voice cast as Garfield for the new animated film, adding to uh the a shitty week a, for a, me already. italian stereotype <laughs> yeah. because he's also voicing mario in the new yeah. animated mario brothers movie yeah yeah if you need anyone who is not really italian but uh a character that's not even a sort of italian but is italian that uh get chris pratt or if it's the lego movie or what other animated characters has he uh, uh voiced but probably more um yeah we will be talking about that uh we just did Hello, yeah, I know. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Welcome to the new uh, Matt background for the Untitled Movie Podcast. I move. What pill do you have in your hand, by the way, Matt? Oh, this is a uh, Tylenol back pain pill. Um, You're showing that up for the people that are list just listening to the podcast. It's a blue horse pill. Um, yeah, <laughs> I hurt my back as well. I've moved. Uh, there are boxes everywhere. There's my OLED TV right there. You got some. Funkos. There's more Funkos. Now, here. were you as careful with your m- packing of your TV this time around compared oh, to God, the last? Oh, God, this will be the second second move in the history of this podcast because I already talked about the last move um, last time, which was a year and a half ago. Um, you know what? I wasn't as precious this time. Um, I've just learned to just stop caring about anything. <laughs> Uh, no, um, I was careful. My dad helped me, uh, pack it. Um, luckily this time that would be uh, Mike, right? (laughs) My father, Mike. Yeah. Um, we packed it into, uh, their van with uh, a bunch of my other expensive, uh, electronics. So we didn't pack it into the U-Haul truck. We didn't use movers this time. Um, which is probably why my back's all messed up, uh, to be honest. Uh, but uh, it, it, you know, moving sucks, Eric. It's the worst. It sure it does, Matt. Terrible. It sure does. Especially if you're doing it uh, more than once um, within a very short span of time. Um, even though y- you were in Durham for about a year, that's still not year and a, a bit. Yeah, that's still not a lot compared to like actually having no, to no. move. Moving is quite the ordeal. Uh, it can also be you know, somewhat devastating depending on what breaks or what doesn't make it and what you need to either repair or replace. Everything seems okay so far. It's just the packing, unpacking, packing a truck, unpacking a truck. You get to your place. If you're downsizing, that's a big um, thing as well, which we, you know, upsized when we went to Durham to get the house, lived with my sister, which I'm very grateful for living with her for a year. It was very nice to spend time and with Georgie. my sister and Georgie, her cat, uh, who I miss dearly. Um, but spending time with her for a year was really cool during the pandemic. It was a perfect like pandemic getaway from you know the city and and being cooped up in uh, a small uh, condo. Uh, ultimately, I liked being you know close to you. You were about a 10, 15 minute drive away, so we we hung out when we could safely. Um, we went to you know landmark Whippy and and things like that. And I'm, I'll be in Durham all the time still, but. Um, yeah, a good opportunity arose here in Toronto slash Etobicoke and um, decided to kind of move back to the city. So um, I don't I hate moving. I hate moving so often. Um, uh, I loved the space. 
Uh, but I do like being closer to the city again. And I don't know if I'm a suburb guy after living there again for a year and a bit, like, um, you know, someone who doesn't drive like me and, um, yeah, you need a, just you need so much, you need a license for the it's suburbs. so much easier for me to be you know in somewhere that has you know to say what you want about the TTC and in, in Toronto's transit system it's not great but at least it's a system where in the suburbs it's just buses and they're so sporadic and it's hard to get anywhere or but, even the go train um, like even the go train isn't as reliable as it wants to have you believed in terms terms of its advertising? Yeah. Uh, And uh, I agree with that. Yeah. So yeah, going in for screenings and like, I mean, you've been doing it forever, but you, you get used to it and you drive as well. So like, um, no, I don't drive in. I usually take the, I know, but I just mean in general for you to get around and then, um, going into screenings, like it was nice to just take, you know, the up express to union and go to Scotiabank and I could go an hour later than if I was going on the train with you. Um, so they're pros and, you know, still getting used to the space. Like, again, we're, we haven't unpacked everything as you can kind of see with the, um, tornado, uh, behind me. Um, there's a chef's plate box. We just got our meal kits delivered. There's my TV. Like I mentioned, there's just crap everywhere. So, and you're also reminded um, of your age because of your back. How is your back, yeah, Matt? It's, uh, still, uh, very sore. Um, I, uh, am reminding myself that I am in my you know, early to mid thirties now. You're not 33 um, yet, Matt. Don't um, worry. Yeah. As soon as you I, hit I'm, that number, yeah. you're done. <laughs> I mess. I keep messaging my dad being like, how long is this supposed to last? And he's just like, eh, it could take a couple weeks. And I'm like, my, Fuck. <laughs> Mike is like, um, I wish I was in your position, Matt. Yeah. I wish I could have just, cause a he just hurt back. his back. Yeah. yeah. He, he hurt his back like right before the move too. And I was worried cause he was going to help us out. And luckily it got better before we moved. Cause I need, I needed my dad's help still it's Christmas. Miracle. Um, and, uh, you know, he's just like, yeah, take muscle relaxants, do stretches. Um, you know, I'm trying to get it. it I dude. So we had to sell a lot of our stuff because we moved into Nevis's like my, you know, uh, you know, in-laws, uh, place and they left a lot of their stuff. So we were like, okay, we don't need to take our couch. We don't need to take, we had a lot of stuff that we, you know, a big dining set. We had a lot of stuff that we had to sell, um, a big Ikea TV stand, which is the backstory I'm about to get into. Um, that was just sitting around and we're like, we got to get rid of this stuff before we move. So we sold a lot on like Facebook marketplace, Kijiji, like Virage, just like different places like that. We managed to sell pretty much everything except for our red couch. You know it very well, Eric. Yes. Red couch could, no one wanted it. Um, couldn't sell it. So, uh, that's the only thing we left behind and, and weren't able to sell, but I sold my TV stand to a former UFC fighter. Um, nice. uh, that's how you got it the was back like an ent- it was like an entertainment uh, center and this big fucking thing that was been sitting in my garage for a year and um, he's super nice guy he was like using it for retro gaming and stuff like that he was telling me about and um, but he came by himself in his pickup truck and I'm like okay I gotta help this guy and my back was already feeling kind of sore I think from the move because this is post move when I went back to Durham to just help clean the house and uh, this big fucking honking Ikea TV stand thing. And I'm like, okay, I got to help this guy because like he's not going to be able to do it himself. And um, I just, 
right when I helped him lift it up into his pickup truck, I just right away was like, oh no. (laughs) And then also I didn't want to look like a wuss in front of this UFC fighter. So I'm fighting. So you're drinking a monster and listening. No, I just like, yes. And like, nah, he, he he seemed cool. Um, (laughs) and he, uh, I just didn't want to like show that I was in so much pain or so uncomfortable, right? Like that, I'm just like holding up this heavy ass thing as he's trying to fit it in his truck, and it didn't quite fit. This is what everyone comes for on this podcast, right? I didn't watch any movies over the last three weeks, so um, we'll see. And we already um, talked about the most important news, anyways. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just totally fucked up my back, and I had to text my sister like as I'm like helping this guy and being like, "Sarah, this is not good. I did not because I came back to go clean the whole house uh, and like move some stuff to the dump and to you know uh, Value Village and stuff like that of like donating stuff and um." After I did that, I'm like, I'm at a commission and I had to lay on the floor for like an entire day. And um, I had to get my, you know, my mom's help to come back to Toronto because I'm like, I can't take the train and stuff. And we had a whole bunch more crap in there that I was like, can you please use your van to drive me again? And like, it was just a whole ordeal. And um, it's been really sore and stiff and um it's reminding me that you know you're not invincible and you're not that, a spry uh, 16 year old matt you're a 32 so that's year my old exciting, man going on 33 my exciting move story there's nothing else that's interesting other than me hurting my back because everything else has been pretty good you know i have this set up i put um hooked up my computer podcast stuff like I, i'm kind of happy with you know, the, it's got a corner desk and I have two monitors here now. And then, uh, the ca- I have my iPhone using as my webcam still, and it's in a perfect spot. It's just, I need to figure out, we want to get rid of, I'm pointing for those on the audio version that have this big white sliding door cabinet thing that her parents installed that I want to get rid of, but we're trying to figure out storage stuff. Like, and I have all my Blu-rays over here and Funko's you're the Watto you got me that's um, yes, classic all my Star Wars stuff and a bunch of crap so I'll probably put some hue lights and try it. I might put my TV on the wall back here so right where that white where that white because there's a little couch right here um that has a bunch of crap on it right now and then I might put my TV back there with the hue lights and then it might look pretty cool so um looking forward to it this will be my little den spot put my TV there some gaming and I can watch movies with the headphones on and we have another TV set up in the other room so um an obscene amount of screens in a very small uh condo but that's how I do it uh how are you man I have I've talked to you you know sporadically over the last couple weeks but you've been you've been busy watching docs and stuff right yeah i I mean and also uh you know as we're recording this i mentioned that it's uh, a monday uh, off the top of the show um you know we just finished up uh the month of the beast being october so Mm -hmm. uh for the month of october mostly i've been watching a lot of genre stuff um not that i don't watch horror movies or thrillers or things outside of October, but I like to overindulge a little bit within the month. So I've been watching a lot of stuff that is um, either horror or horror adjacent. And then on top of that as well, Matt and I are critics choice members. So um, the documentary awards um, voting deadline is coming up. So I've been kind of squeezing in some stuff there. Um, And uh you know, it's 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 one of those things where it's like some stuff you watch is is good, and then other stuff is 
perfectly middle of the road documentary fare with the occasional movie that kind of feels a little bit like you're watching, you know, uh, basic cable, you know, news documentary that sure. maybe is heightened because of what <laughs> the subject matter is and maybe not because of the filmmaking. Um, and then in terms of just like the horror stuff, like, I mean, it's a lot of like I rewatched Fright Night, but I threw that on. Uh, it's basically background. Uh, OG Fright Night? Yeah. Yeah. From uh, the Tom yeah. Holland version from from 85. Um, uh, just Tom a hand. Tom Holland was alive back then? <laughs> Uh, yes, Tom Holland, uh, the the writer director of both Fright Night and wow. Child's Play, and he Didn't also is he the was... star of Spider Man. Yeah. He's basically a Highlander. He's immortal. Um, handing out candy the other night, um, which I had to get more of. Um, oh, that was that was the funny thing. So literally, we ran out of candy. By, oh wow, really? Um, yeah, because I live in a school zone, and so like an elementary school zone, and there's a lot of younger kids. Um, so I ran out of candy at around eight fifteen, eight twenty ish, and you know what saved the day? That bag of Worthers. <laughs> <laughs> no. So I pulled out the old man candy and was just giving oh handfuls of that. God, and, that's uh, incredible. Those kids were so mad. Oh yeah, and they Any were older kid. kids too. I'm surprised that the house did not get egged. Basically trolling kids. He was out <laughs> a fucking handful of Werther's well, originals. Well, originally, like last year, there was there was no um, Halloween because of yeah. the pandemic. But the year before, there wasn't that many kids. There was yeah, about, like maybe yeah. ten to fifteen at the most. That's what I mean. I remember when I was still with my parents, and I felt like it wasn't like when we were young, where it felt like you know Halloween was the night. Every oh, Eric's gone. Goodbye, Eric. Uh, Halloween was like the night he's back. He's yes. back. He's back. Trick or treat, um, motherfucker. <laughs> um, I think you should still be recording. I don't know what the hell is happening, but um, I don't see your little uh, audio thing, but we should be fine. Oh, um, okay. Well, that's great. We'll see. We'll record for an hour and a half, and then if it's totally messed up, eh, it is what it is. Um, yeah, I felt like when we were younger, it was just like it was uh, everyone trick or treating was like the thing. But then, as but I, maybe that's just again, you're a kid, right? So your world, maybe. everything fe- feels bigger when you're. I saw a, a child. lot of people out here, like even in Toronto and Etobicoke, where I am right now, and um, we drove to get uh, dumplings yesterday. Nice. Um, and oh, Eric, it was so good, man. Um, they like it. They got like you get twelve of these uh momo dumplings for 11.50 so like less than a dollar a dumpling and then i got a side of spicy potatoes and oh my god it was great and like we definitely ordered way too much because sorry to cut off your trick-or-treating thing oh that's fine about these dumplings it's called like (laughs) momo dumpling express and um i'm so happy to be back in like closer to the city for that reason because like the food is just so much better um, there's no Arby's, but there are lots of great um, places. And yeah, these 12 gigantic dumplings. And I only I had six of them. And I'm like, fuck, I'm full. I'm like, this is great. I'll have a whole nother lunch for tomorrow. And I had them for lunch today. And you can buy like a bag of 50 of them for like 30 bucks that are frozen. And I'm like, now what you have in them? What, what was there anything in them? Or? So I went for the mixed everything platter, which gave you uh, two beef, two pork, two chicken, Two too fast, too furious. Uh, potato and chive, two mushroom tofu, and two 
another veggie one. I forget what the third veggie one was, but I did the mixed everything. So they have veggie dumplings, meat dumplings. You can get a meat platter or a veggie platter or a vegan platter. Uh, I just decided to get the platter that gave you two of every dumpling that they have. Um, and that's what I went with. And Nevis and I were talking. I'm like, next time I would go with the the mixed everything. She only liked really the potato chive out of the veggie stuff. Um, but uh, I thought they were phenomenal and they were these big, big dumplings. And um, man, I'm just, I'm hungry just thinking about it. Anyways, you gave hungry, out where there's originals. Well, have originally come, I had a box over, we'll of, of mixed uh, chocolate bars and rockets. What were you giving out? What were the the mixed? Uh... So it was like uh, coffee crisp, Kit Kat, yeah, yeah. the you classic know. Nestle Canadian. Yeah, yeah, like, and yeah. and so like I'm thinking to myself, okay, we're we're not going to get. Do you know coffee kids. crisp isn't like a thing in the U.S.? Yeah, no, I know that it's like yeah. that. And ketchup chips are like the two like Canadian uh, candy chip. Coffee crisp is great. Oh, it is. But that was the thing. So I was eating the coffee crisp myself because I was thinking like out of all this, like, I'm not going to give like a little kid a coffee crisp bar, you know, like, and, and anyways, so I'm handing, I'm giving like huge handfuls because I'm thinking there's only going to be about like, you know, maybe 10, 15 kids at the most. Cause the, like, I just didn't want excess candy in the house because I just don't want to, eat that stuff and be sure be a little too naughty you know what i mean um i do i do um so i was thinking like okay good i'll i'll get it all out and and because i was already eating the coffee crisp stuff and, and that, that was partly just to stay awake and have some as i go on amazon to see if halloween candy's on sale <laughs> <laughs> and, and so at, at around like 8 20 like i'm literally running out and and there are like hordes of children coming my way like zombies um and i look around and i'm like literally out of candy like nothing left and then i remembered where there's originals huge bag of it and love so see it. Love and see so it. i'm hoping that the children were i mean like i was even saying sorry guys i only have old man candy now um but i'm hoping that they were delighted by the gold wrapping that maybe they weren't thinking sure. of, yeah they but, weren't thinking yeah yeah because it was just like this little there was this there was this sweet little girl and like she was only probably like maybe three or four and I'm like giving her a, a handful of Werther's originals, and I'm just like, oh, I'm so sorry, like, <laughs> uh, I'm so sorry. Um, and yeah, so you know, uh, Werther's originals. Uh, you know, when you don't have anything else for Halloween, they're they're there. Use them. Um, yeah, and so you know, like I had Fright Night on in the background, then I watched rewatched Cabin in the Woods as well as just basically background um, noise. Um, nice. for the most part but you know i've been watching like some of the ifc screeners so i watched both um uh the gin and the vigil and then the vigil kind of led into me watching uh vi again um which are similar premises about um one's more um russian and then the other one is sort of a, a present day jewish um sort of story where you have characters that are basically um, in charge of looking after a newly deceased corpse over a period of time uh, to make sure that the soul is not taken by any uh, demonic entities. It's usually just kind of like, I mean, not that we personally believe in it, but it's just kind of a, like a, a rite of passage kind of thing within certain religious sectors. But mm -hmm. it's actually a really good setup for um, a horror movie idea. And I, I think the vigil is okay. It's kind of, 
you know, the conjuring on a budget instead of, you know, with Christianity, it's more sort of Judaism. Um, mm-hmm. But with the Vi, with, with Vi, um, sometimes it's also pronounced V, uh, V-I-Y. Um, I love that movie. Like every time I watch that film, I find okay. that it, it's only 77 minutes, which is amazing. Um, love to hear it. And love it's about it. this body that this, this witch that dies and this priest that is basically told he has to look at after the body for three days in this cave and has to make sure that it doesn't leave or escape. And so he's basically tormented by this corpse um, and all the sort of creatures that are conjured because of it. And uh, if you haven't seen it yet, I think it's available. um, I have, I have a vinegar syndrome um, Blu-ray of it, but it's also available on Tubi to watch right now uh, for free. Um, So if you're in for a 77 minute horror movie uh, that is part psychological, um, it's of its time because there is some animation, but the animation is even kind of interesting in terms of the creature designs. Um, like it's all stop motion animation, a lot of it. And it kind of almost looks like something that like Ray Harryhausen would have done. Okay. Um, so yeah, that's a, it's, it's a really, really good movie. Um, great. Yeah. I didn't watch much for Halloween other than rewatching all the screen movies, which I think we talked about, but, um, I did go out to a Halloween party. Um, which I haven't been to a party in two plus years, um, which was very strange, but life know, uh, 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 finds a way. Yes. Nevis and I uh, dressed up as uh, Dr. Ellie Sattler uh, and a T-Rex. I was the T-Rex. Did you eat? Did you um, have goat that night for dinner? I did not. Um, but man, it was, it was fun. It was weird to go to, uh, to a large grouping of people in a, in a small Toronto apartment again. Um, so that was a little strange and, and took some time to acclimate myself and, and not feel anxious. Everyone was double vaccinated. Um, um, you know, and, and, you know, I, I felt okay about it. Um, I was a little hesitant at first, but I also, the reason why I'm like, okay, I'll get this T-Rex costume because it literally has like a plastic shield, um, because it needs to stay inflated. Um, mind you, you know, thinking about that now, I'm like, it does have to suck in air. So it's probably the worst thing <laughs> like for it. <laughs> like, so it's probably doing the exact opposite of what I, um, am intending. Oh, I should also um, just quickly say that I did wear a mask, um, when handing wild out candy. People, yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Because so, you have a lot of younger kids uh, that have not been vaccinated yet. Of course. So I yeah. Was, yeah. So that's why I was okay with being at a, you know, a maskless Halloween party, but I thought Nevis absolutely crushed her, um, Dr. Sattler costume. It was awesome. Um, I the T Rex thing was, I think, was quite the hit from uh, people. It was pretty funny, especially being in a small Toronto apartment, and I'm in this giant inflatable T Rex. And Eric, it was the <laughs> well, your shoes are the funniest thing in, uh, yeah, in your yeah. Instagram My Nikes. photos. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's pretty funny. Um, but I was so fucking hot. Like the apartment itself was already hot because you have like a lot of people in a small you know, area. Well, they're probably, um, probably there's heating right as well, because you're getting to that time of year now where well, it's they opened colder. all the windows. Cause it was just, it was, it was so hot. Right? right. And then, um, I'm in the suit and you know, it's, I'm okay. Cause like, you know, air's blowing in. It, it's totally 
it's mostly fine. But as more people started to show up, and it's also people you haven't seen in a while as well. So people are trying to have conversations with me when I'm in this dumb fucking T-Rex costume. <laughs> they can't hear me. I can barely hear them. As I'm speaking more, the more I speak, the hotter the costume gets because my hot breath like heats up the inside of the costume. So if I'm just kind of standing there and people are laughing because I'm standing in this dumb T-Rex costume and I thought Nevis and I together looked awesome. Um, Cause you think, Oh, Dr. Grant in a couple's costume with, with, with Ellie, but like, no, no, no T-Rex. Um, or I thought and, you were going to pull a, a Dr. Ian Malcolm because in nah, real life, Laura Dern and Jeff Goldblum got yeah. together after that. I, I I didn't want to do that either. I just thought the inflatable T-Rex was Because it would have been pretty so, good if you were if you just um, had your shirt and just like lied open <laughs> and like I thought about it, but maybe like, another wow. time. Um so anyways, I'm having this like uh, uh you know, conversation with um, you know, Nevis's friends, Jackie's partner, and she was talking to me and asking me like we haven't talked in a long time and you know, people know I quit my job in in last March and uh, or February. And like, she's asking me these like really deep, like, you know, life questions. And I, it was such lovely, thoughtful, like, um, you know, questions, but I'm in this T-Rex suit. I'm the hottest I've ever been in my life. I can't even think straight. Um, I'm not really drinking. I like, I did take a, a THC pill earlier. So like, I'm a little stoned at this point. And, um, I'm just so hot in this costume. And I felt like I felt so bad because I felt like one, a fucking moron because she's asking me these wonderful questions. And all I can think about is I'm so hot. I'm like dripping in sweat. I'm like, I can't speak in this costume. I can't even think in this costume. And she's trying to have like this deep, real conversation with me. And like, she's asking me these questions and I, um, I'm like, I got to cut you off. I'm like, I, I don't even know how to answer this right now. I'm like, I don't even have an answer. I sound like an idiot. And then eventually like mid conversation, I have to like unzip the suit and come out of it. Like Jim Carrey coming out of the rhinos, <laughs> the rhinos ass in Ace Ventura. With where I'm just calls. like, and I'm like, I'm like, I, I'm like, I can't breathe in this thing. I'm like, I got to stop. And like, um, and I had to get out of the suit for a little while and I had to like stop mid conversation. Um, and eventually I found my groove of like going outside for a bit and letting like the cool air blow into the suit. And like, that's where some of those photos are when I'm outside and then coming back in and, and, you know, uh, being in the suit and, and talking to people that way. And then I lasted in the suit for a couple hours and then I had to take it off and I had a Jurassic park t-shirt on still, but like I was just in like street clothes at that point. But, um, I okay. thought we crushed it when it came to couples costume. Here's what you do. Here's what you do. What's, what's, what's Jackie's partner's name? Uh, Justine. Justine. Yeah. This is what you do. Or this is what, this is what you should have done. And you should be like, Justine, I can't, I can't hear you in this right now, but I do have a podcast called the Untitled yeah. Movie Podcast, <laughs> you can listen, yeah. and you can listen to it each and every week usually, uh, and I have been up to date and sort of talking about everything that's been going on in my life. <laughs> yeah. And why I quit my job, yeah. and how, what philosophical life. Also, can like, you please things. subscribe and rate? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I know, dude. Like, she was asking the the, the loveliest questions, and like... It's hard to do that in general. Like, like, I find, like, yeah. with any party or... It caught me off guard, but then on top of that i was also just so hot man and like sort of and being a little bit stoned didn't help either because like on top of that you i i'm like 
man, I just, I can't think straight right now because my brain is not working. And you know, when someone asks you something and you're just like, I don't have an answer for you and I want to give you an answer or I want to, and I'm usually pretty good about like, you're not BSing my way through stuff, but like, you know, trying to be, I want to give someone an answer and a thoughtful answer and I'll try to, you know, give one. But at that point I had to stop and I'm like, Justine, I'm, I don't, I don't know. I don't have an answer for you. And I, I, I should have been more upfront of being like, I feel like I'm going to pass out. I'm like, I can't, I'm so hot. Um, but then I just mid combo had to unzip and like, like come out and like, just be <laughs> disgusting. And I'm, I, so I went up to her after I'm like, I'm sorry I had to do that. She's like, no, no, it's fine. It's fine. Um, but, and then the rest of the night I learned like how much of a conversation I could have with someone because the more I talked, the more the suit, um, uh, you know, uh, got hot. So, uh, will I get more use out of the suit? Jurassic world three's coming out next year. So maybe I'll just do the whole podcast in the suit. I don't know. More Chris Pratt. Um, great. Great. What we all need. Um, uh, other than that, the Halloween party was, um, it was fun. Some good costumes. Uh, Simone was Cruella. Her costume was great. Uh, Nevis's friend, uh, Alicia was Dwight from the office and her, um, her boyfriend was a uh, three hole punch Jim, um, which is, which was great. Uh, some other good costumes there too, but I love Halloween, man. Like I, I just have a blast, um, you know, dressing up every year with Nevis. Like I really, um, have a good time with it so you so, would say that evil um, died tonight or that night i did i did dress up with michael myers once and i went to the junction nightclub in oshawa <laughs> oh, God, <laughs> and they wouldn't let me wear the mask inside or would they or every time i put it on i got kicked out once for dressing up as justin bieber and um and they wouldn't let me wear justin bieber's trademark purple straight cap and they're like, no hats in the club. I'm like, it's a Halloween costume. You, there's a dude over there literally dressed as a murderer with a mask on. And you're not going to let me wear a fucking purple hat? I'm like, what are you talking about? You're like, that's the rules. You can't wear hats in the club. And I'm like, it's fucking Halloween, you moron. Like, And then they kicked me out. That's why I was like 19. But right. this is like 10 plus. Well, Matt, in, in the words of Ben Stein from the Jim Carrey classic, The Mask, we all wear masks. He's metaphorically speaking, isn't he? Yeah, he's a yeah. super conservative. Super conservative, right? Yeah. yeah. I remember remember Ben Stein's money. When Ben Stein's money, which Jimmy yeah. Kimmel was like the co-host of that show at one point. Um because right. he had like an assistant on the show and Jimmy you know, Kimmel was one of them. When I was young, I used to, I never knew who I knew of Ben Stein because he would pop up in a lot of movies of our era in like the 90s and stuff. Like well, in that. the 80s as well. Up. Like he's in, in the, the beginning 80s, yeah. of Ferris Bueller's Day Off and he yeah. has the line Bueller, Bueller. So I just knew him as the boring guy. That's what I right. would call him when I was he, younger. He's actually very, very smart, but mm. also very dumb because. Because of his beliefs. It, and yeah. Shit. yeah. And it's, again, like not to get political or what have you, but like it's one thing to be like conservative and that's fine. But like it's another to kind of be like so extremist that it's just like it, it becomes a whole other thing. And like, yeah, we saw I think we saw a lot of that recently with what's been going on with um sort of the tragedy behind rust where yeah. um for people that don't know i'm sure there's a lot of people that already know that are listening to this anyways um 
there was a tragic shooting on the set of a indie movie um, that claimed the life of cinematographer Helena Hutchins and uh, injured the director, uh, Joel Souza. Um, and the prop gun, uh, which was called a uh, cold gun, which means that it's it's not empty, was actually hot and was fired by Alec Baldwin. And so you've seen online like a lot of like, you know, conservative types kind of lampooning Baldwin specifically and sort of it's not the time or place for that. Like, I just feel that that's really kind of gross and just again kind of getting away from the tragedy of it all but like i agree thinking about that for the last couple of weeks in terms of what is considered you know the standard for safety on set um you think that after you know the death of brandon lee and and or even Vic Morrow and, and, and those two vietnamese children on uh, the twilight zone or, or brandon lee and, and the crow um you think that this wouldn't happen. And even though that, you know, rust is a $7 million production that shot on location in New Mexico and maybe doesn't have all the money to work with when it comes to, you know, sort of behind the scenes stuff. And I mean, there was, there was even stuff in the LA times talking about like the crew sort of walking off set a few days before because of both, um, financial, uh, malice and also other safety precautions that weren't being taken and a lot of shortcuts being made, uh, because of that. And it seems like, you know, th- this whole situation should not have happened. Um, it's still being investigated, but it's just one of those things where I was thinking a lot of like, you know, cursed films where yeah. that show specifically breaks down what happened on the crow. And even after having that watch that, it's still almost unfathomable how this could have happened. That could happen. Yeah. No, I really, you sent it to me. I forget when, when it happened, but last week um yeah and i just couldn't believe it like um that that could still happen um with you know how usually strict you know you heard a lot of stories afterwards saying like um of what happened on that set and what happened on other sets and when you use non-union people and not to put the blame on anyone but like there are certain safety checks that didn't happen and all this stuff and you just can't figure out how um and then the whole conversation going into using real guns on movie sets because, you know, you get a more realistic muzzle flash and, you you know, it feels more real when an actor shoots it because they're shooting a real gun and it's just filled with blanks. But how blanks can be dangerous if you're close enough to them because it still goes off and whether it's the sound or the, the like I said, the flash or, or whatever comes out of it can still injure people and um, there've been other cases of, of, you know, a gun with blanks, you know, killing or, or hurting someone on a movie set. So there's that whole you know, conversation of whether, you know, sets just need to be safer or if, you know, there are no place for, you know, real guns in, in, uh, on movie sets. And I, um, it's just really, really unfortunate that, you know, uh, a talented uh, young cinematographer, um, lost her life and you know the director's injured and you know even uh, even alec baldwin who uh you know uh say what you want about alec baldwin but that is a horrible thing to happen 
not only of course to this woman but also to him to be the person who you know pulled the trigger on this gun that he did not know had uh, a live round in it and it's just just horrible horrible stuff all around and you know i've seen the conversation on both sides of of you know you know muzzle flashes can easily be added in in post so why aren't we using you know uh, you know fake air guns on movie sets that look like real guns anyway it's just they don't have the authentic you know we talked about with you mentioned flash, that with but, christopher nolan's tenant where yep tenant and did even that. in dark knight you see that a lot too right and, and then um, robert rodriguez once upon a time in hollywood has been kind of like the example that's been going around online where it's all sort of added in post-production yeah which i i think like this that's going to be your safest uh route because accidents unfortunately do happen sometimes and they shouldn't like there should have been this proper safety there or the assistant director shouldn't have been the one who grabbed it and gave yeah, it to David Alec Halls. Baldwin and then and, you have the armorer um, Hannah Gortez uh, Reed who were the four kind of people sort of behind the scenes. And then also, you know, the, that conversation of blaming Alec Baldwin because he's also a producer on the film. It's like how much control did he have over yeah. the production overall? And you think like, okay, well, the investigation's still ongoing and, you know, you don't want to blame anybody, but at the same time, you have to think like... You have to find out what happened. And, yeah, you and have to investigate from, this thing. Yeah, and so it doesn't happen again or people can learn from it. Like, and someone did lose their life. And if someone, if there was malpractice when it came to, you know, what safety things were supposed to be happening on that set, then that needs, people need to be accountable for that, right? And you can't just, or else the shit just will keep, happening it's not like it happens but there are injuries whether from stunt people or whatever and i think it's just good to um you know again a horrible 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 fucking thing that should have never happened but you you hope people learn from it in the sense of making these sets you know safer for the entire crew because you it's can't not cut just costs yeah and it's just not just movie stars that need to be protected these are like you know, average, you know, just working class people that work on this and like the safety of them is just as important as the safety as your star. And like, um, you got to make sure that you just, well, we got to get the shot or everyone's tired, but like, let's go, let's do this. And that's a whole separate conversation or which oh, is we, going we on we right now as well because of IOTC, the, uh, the, yeah, the strike there. So the union. Yeah. And even the, the you know, that's a whole separate conversation, but that kind of adds into the safety on, on film sets. And um, it's the right safety measures need to be in place and they need to be followed very strictly, especially even in something like COVID when um, you know, that's a whole separate thing, but when you're using live like real weapons and you're doing these insane stunts and, and, and things like that, like um, professionals need to be used and, and you know, the, the highest safety standards need to uh, be put through and followed very, very strictly. And no movie is worth someone losing their life or no shot or no whatever is worth, you know, risking someone's safety. And um, I really, truly believe that. And especially someone who, you know, I am really for, you know, workplace, you know, uh, for the worker too. Like I'm fully on the side of the union trying to get, like, I'd much rather wait for my, you know, movies to be every, you know, movies to take twice as long to make as they do now, as long as it's safe and good working, livable standards for everyone. Like, um, 
Well, the demand for content is so high that it feels like everything now is being rushed anyway. So why not take the time to not only, you know, develop good material, but also, you know, make sure that the standards of health and safety are in practice? Because I do feel that, you know, as film lovers there, and this is also what Cursed Films gets into, is that there's this romanticizing of the problematic production um as long as the movie comes out sort of good is good like you you look at movies even like apocalypse now which is one of my favorite films of all time that movie had so many problems and so many health and safety risks or even you know Werner herzog's fritz Corraldo, which you know burden of dreams documents really well in terms of you know uh people nearly being crushed and, 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 and killed. And um, like, it's just, it's one of those things where I feel like I remember even Alejandro Gonzalez and Uritu talking about it, where it's like for the Revenant, where he was saying, yeah. like, oh, you know, like pain is only pain is fleeting, but like, you know, this, like the film will last will forever. forever. And, and that's and, horseshit. Really. Yeah, yeah. And it's, and like, that's okay. That's one <laughs> thing to say when, you know, nothing happens to you, but like if somebody, you know, loses an eye on set or if somebody um is injured in a way that you know that they'll never be able to recover or even worse you know loses their life and then like it, it's even stranger to think that both you know the crow and the twilight zone you know these horrible incidences happen on set and claim the lives of you know cast members but they still were released you know, theatrically and, 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 and people saw the, the final film of, of both versions. Now, obviously with the crow, they had to change some things narratively speaking, but um, like with rust, I don't think that they'll go back into production. I don't, I don't, you, you can't, you just, no, I, I don't, don't think, think that that movie either. can be made now. Um, no, even, I, if, I even if, even if, even if that script was picked up like 10 years from now, you know, I, I still don't think that you could make it without sort of having that connection, but it's just weird to think that movies like the crow and the twilight zone movie, you know, were finished and released. And well, the it's crow a big was a studio success. movie. Then yeah. I think it, yeah, it's a different beast, I guess, but yeah, man, just a, a huge bummer, but I feel like, um, you know, we're in a, uh, an interesting time where I feel like the worker is pushing back uh, against, you know, the big you know corporations and, you know, people like that, that, you know, producers and, you know, studios. And I know this is a smaller independent movie and it's not necessarily exactly this, but I'm just seeing even in other um, other workforces and stuff like that, it seems like people are kind of know fed up with being treated like shit or the proper safety things that aren't happening so like it's just you hate for something like this to be the you know the point where we someone actually pays attention because it had to get to this point for them to pay attention and um think about these things and uh it's just really really unfortunate that you know um this woman lost her life because of it. Um, really, really shitty. I don't know where you stand. Like, do you think like I, I kind of am in the, uh, I've heard people go, well, studios want, uh, it to be CG 
uh, muzzle flashes and, and not real guns because that's a non-union job and they can exploit those workers with overtime and, and different things like that, like CG uh, and computer, you know, animators and stuff like that, that um, whereas, you know, the armorers and the people working on that usually are union thing. And there's, there's stories saying that like, you know, the union people left this movie and that they were using non-union people, but it's so hard to just get into like, you know, well, also the armor was was somewhat more inexperienced. Like this was her, yeah. her first major production, and yeah. it almost feels like you probably she maybe needed to work alongside somebody yeah. doing something like this. If you're if you're like if this is, I mean, an accident can happen at any time. Um, yeah. whether you have all the experience in the world or whether you have none, but I think if you're doing something for the first time, I, I think you need to maybe have somebody to work alongside in, in sort of shadowing or just an assistant or, or, or a co armor. Like it's just one of those things where like, like I understand, you know, there are a lot of the, the, the armors that work in the industry are very well trained and, and are cautious and know what they're doing and, and take safety and, and health procedures, um, extremely seriously. And, um, you know, with that in mind, like, you know, you don't want to say to somebody, you know, like you're out of a job now because of this, yeah. but at the same time, you, I think you need to do it in, in a way that it's like, you can't, you, you can't cut costs. You need to hire the best person possible to do the job. If you're going to do it that way, yeah. you, you can't just hire somebody that just got their license or somebody that is, you know, their first time. Like if you want li- lives are, sort of at stake and not saying that like yeah but you know you're using real guns and stuff yeah i'm i'm kind of for using air guns and and not necessarily saying that you need to have real guns on a set like i just but you will get filmmakers and 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 certain armorers saying like you know like they want the most authentic version of you know their movie possible right and that means you know like you know if if someone like stanley kubrick was still alive like i could see him sort of being on the side of like well no i want to have the most realistic version of something on set and there are filmmakers i'm thinking of right now that will be very adamant in sort of you know keeping that going then they need to make sure it's super safe so um yeah i guess that's that's what you take from it and um because even you look at someone like quentin tarantino and like tarantino is a guy who you know has already had some problems on set with health and safety with safety kill bill specifically with uma thurman driving that car and like you look at that sequence that stunt sequence that she did she didn't need to be in that scene they could have hired a stunt person to do it and that would have been fine and uma thurman already at that point before production was feeling a little bit sort of apprehensive and when you and when you when you have that mindset going into it that's not a good thing like if if somebody is doubting it or questioning it or not sure of themselves that leads to problems absolutely um so really really unfortunate um situation and just uh you know a a life taken uh much too early um so we're thinking about that uh eric we can uh move on if you'd like um what do you want to tackle i mean we've missed a a bunch over the last um you know couple weeks 
Um, I think maybe tra- jump into trailer talk because like I have some opinions on Uncharted and things like oh, that. Oh yeah. Um, so we've gotten quite a bit of um, of trailers over the last couple of weeks. So um, we can kick it off with Uncharted. It's so, a real movie, Matt. Apparently, I am shocked. Um, from the director of Venom, uh, you get Uncharted, um, and it looks like. <sighs> I don't know. Like a it generic looks like action a gener- movie. Yeah, that's kind of and not saying that Uncharted isn't a generic action movie because it kind of is because it's well, it's like Tomb Raider, right? Where like you're which just is Indiana very- Jones, and it's just like it's it's literally like a, a weird. It's Indiana Jones, then Tomb Raider, then Uncharted is inspired by Tomb Raider. Well, then even and Indiana then the- Jones was inspired by old adventure series, yeah, right? And then you get the new Tomb Raider, which is inspired by Uncharted, which is weird because Uncharted was inspired by the original Tomb Raider, and now you get a movie which is then brings it full circle to what you're saying with those original adventure movies and then Indiana Jones. And then you end up just getting, uh, you know, this, which feels like an amalgamation uh, for people who are fans of uncharted, you'll notice highlights from probably the first three games, some of even four, but not really, but you get like, you know, obviously the cargo ship scene is a huge set piece in one of the games you're getting the stuff with his brother that they mentioned, which is a huge part of one of the games. But like, it feels like they're taking bits and pieces from all three games. And they're cherry picking them. basically script wise. Sorry, not all three. There's four games, but they're yes, they're cherry picking the the top moments of uh, the franchise and kind of putting them into this. And then on top of that, you have just the absolutely bizarre casting of both Tom Holland and Mark Wahlberg. Um, and like Tom Holland, like I, I it's the Spider-Man curse thing for him where I'm always going to see him as like Peter Parker or a teenager, even though he's in his mid twenties and he do, does have a, well, boyish, he looks really young like, in this yeah. compared to, you know, like other, you know, adventure actors. Like when you look at Harrison Ford or, you know, Angelina Jolie or, or Alicia Vikander, like, you know, they, they look it, like they've had these experiences yeah, and, and, and part and of not it not even is, going with like a young time, right? But so. it doesn't even seem like they're going with like a young Drake storyline because they talk about him being like a collector and like all this stuff. Like it doesn't seem even like an origin thing. Like, and like, cause there is some young Nate stuff in the uncharted series like there's some flashback stuff specifically with his brother that they do mention sam throughout this um that is just it's it's bizarre and then you have mark Wahlberg as sully um who is completely miscast can't wait for him to get the mustache though which he will um but it just it doesn't feel like those two characters from the game. And I'm not saying that, you know, it has to be an exact adaptation of the game. They can do their own spin on it. Um, it's just, you know, when you have that mixed with what the trailer shows, like none of the comedy worked that much uh, other than I like the Scottish guy. And then he and the what like that feels like Nathan Drake. Um but other than that, like, I just don't see it. And I am a huge fan of the games. I love Naughty Dog, obviously. Like, we have the, you know, the PlayStation Studios Last of Us uh, show, which I keep mentioning and cannot wait for. Um, but Ruben Fleischer being the director here, like, just ha- I have no faith in it. And they've gone through so many rewrites, so many different directors, so many different versions of this script. And 
I mean, at one point, Mark Wahlberg like, was supposed was to play the Nathan lead, Drake, right? Yeah, and then it was going to be the, uh, the... The uncles with uh, yeah. Robert De Niro and Joe Pesci. <laughs> Doesn't make any sense. Because that was that when was, David O. Russell was going to direct it. David O. Then. Russell was going to direct it, yeah. yeah. And it's just gone through so many iterations and different people being involved. And then ultimately, you go with Ruben Fleischer, who... Uh, you know, I, He's a I don't think since, yeah, it's just like, uh, you know, it's more gangster squad or, you know, he was successful with Venom uh, to an extent for Sony, which is probably why they're like, okay, you can, you can come in and do this, but um, it looks perfect. Well, Zombieland fine, as well, but, right? Like his, yeah. like the two zombie, which Land also movies Sony yeah, also yeah, made point. for Sony, and, which is and, why they brought him in for all of like for Venom and, and things like that too. So, um, it doesn't look awful. I don't think it just looks totally generic. And I think that's, um, you know, I, you, it, at best, I think it's going to be like, a, Oh, that was kind of fun. Um, at worst, it's going to be like, Oh no, that was a, uh, a train wreck. But, um, yeah, I don't, to your point, like it does sound like it almost feels like an older, like when I say older, I mean like nineties version of a video game adaptation where it's kind of loosely based on the video game at best, almost like the original super Mario brothers film. Yes. And no though, because it seems like it's very much taking from the games, but just from a bunch of them, like it doesn't, but watching it from my point of view, all I saw was just a generic action movie, which could have been just like, yeah, it just is called Uncharted, and it's an action movie where you know you, you have don't even Tom know it's Holland based on a game, yeah, globe trotting, and yeah, and like even thinking that like a, a movie I didn't mention in, in terms of what we've been watching, I watched um, Paranormal Activity: Next of Kin. Oh, you did, and watching that movie was so weird because you have the people that produced and helped make a lot of the original franchise uh christopher landon is is a writer on it uh oral uh um uh perlman or or, pelly no pelly pelly yeah yeah. um is a is still a producer on it and then you have like up and come like an up-and-coming filmmaker like william eubank who also directed that uh kristen stewart uh underwater movie underwater um and and so you're like okay like maybe they're do- gonna do like this interesting reboot that kind of revitalizes the franchise a la spiral the book of saw or something like that and then watching the movie um there's almost no connection to the original franchise with the exception of that there is a supernatural entity that is stalking this camera crew um on a amish farm and it's kind of a little bit of a procedural and then it becomes more um sort of you know your classic jump scare movie but watching it like i was thinking like the whole time there's really nothing that connects it to it even the visual aesthetic of um the sort of faux documentary is sort of slick and well produced and um you know a lot of it kind of plays fast and loose with the idea of uh, documentary filmmaking because you'll have scenes where they're using you know this camera which is kind of like this top of the line sort of new camera that's you know portable and easy to use but then they'll cut away from that and you'll just have just regular scenes and, and that's what I saw from the trailer which really annoyed the shit out of me of like pick and it's a like lane. commit 
or don't. Yeah. And then like yeah. like this movie, like you could you could take the paranormal activity sort of and just call it next of kin or something. Or you could call it any uh, like you could call it Devil's Due next of kin. You could call it the Last Exorcist last of kin. Like any yeah. of these found footage supernatural horror movies in the last sure. 10, 20 years could all fit you you could call them you, you could fit them within this film like right. it just kind of is nothing just that generic... was part of the franchise other than calling it paranormal yeah activity. it's just a generic cash grab yeah. of a film. so that's kind of going back to uncharted that's kind of what it feels like right yeah, yeah. but even more and, so it sounds like with paranormal activity where there really is nothing there other yeah, than just this does very much seem like they're adapting all of the games because maybe like they feel like they, they only have the one film to make. They maybe. have one shot and then they need it to be Might you know, as well cram popular, it all in. So, and then you'll figure it out after that and just mimic Indiana Jones or whatever and find a different thing. Or there's different plot points in the different games that you could still jump off of. So I don't know. I, I, I'm still – I can't say I'm like looking forward to it or I'm like very excited for it. But my like morbid curiosity of loving – you know, and Naughty Dog is such a good video game studio that I find it hard to believe that they would, you know, but it doesn't seem like people from the studio are super involved in this like they are with Last of Us, right? Where this seems like they passed it off and let, you know, Sony do their thing, where Last of Us seems they're a little bit more hands on. So, well, maybe they sold the know. rights for Uncharted at a time where they didn't but it's really still PlayStation want to be involved. Studio and, and stuff, right? Like, Sony still owns it all. Like, Sony owns Naughty Dog. So, like, it's, I just usually their quality control is very, very good. So, that's why I'm still sort of holding out hope that it'll at least be fun. Like maybe like a like a three out of five at best is what I'm hoping for this movie. Like I don't think we're getting anything more than like a, oh that w- had some good set pieces. Like it was kind of fun. Like, I mean, it's nowhere. Um, it doesn't look like it's going to be Werewolves Within. It's no Werewolves Within right. in terms of the, right, the greatest sure. uh, video game movie ever made. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know, man. Like I, as a big you know Uncharted fan, I'm not necessarily like eagerly anticipating it, but at least it's real, I guess. I mean, yeah, that's something, I, it's right? Something. But video game movies still need to prove us wrong. So. Well, there is Resident um, Evil. Evil. Welcome to Raccoon City. We will review uh, soon, right? Like it's this month. Is yeah, it? I think it's is uh, it like two uh, weeks. I think it's. I think it's the American Thanksgiving. Oh, right. So two or three weeks. Yeah. Interesting. Um, other trailers. Uh, you know, we uh, there was Ambulance, the Michael Bay uh movie which definitely looks like a michael bay movie yeah um don't really have much else to say other than that um uh yaya abdul mateen is everywhere um it's uh, so hot right now <laughs> we got another red notice trailer uh you know it looks like a ryan reynolds dwayne johnson gal gadot movie so i don't know if you're gonna get anything more than what exactly what you would expect from that um nonetheless it's a big star vehicle for netflix so like i i could see them pushing it very very hard but it's also funny because if you live in uh toronto it's getting a theatrical Theatrical release but it's only at the paradise so it's like an indie theater for this 200 million dollar (laughs) blockbuster i i'm surprised like because a lot of netflix stuff has been popping up at cineplex and, oh i'm not surprised um, with that i'm just more surprised that the, but it's weird that the paradise is the only place playing yeah, in toronto yeah right? like i so, i wouldn't have been as surprised if if 
landmark or cineplex had gotten it for a week or two before it is yeah. available to stream but having it play at the paradise which is mostly sort of an art house theater you know having this 200 million but i see why movie. they would take it though too right? oh i know like, i get it it's just funny to think it more so on the on the part of netflix oh, like we made this 200 yeah. million dollar movie and we're yeah. gonna play it in, in yeah, toronto at least in canada and yeah we'll play it in one art house theater <laughs> And I think the uh, the other big one uh, that I want to talk about is Lightyear, um, which I'm all in on. Um, I I'm have, excited for it, but it doesn't necessarily look like a Pixar movie. If that, makes but that's any what sense. kind of excites me. Like, um, I mean, I love Pixar. Obviously, um, Eric and I have you know talked about it you know hours on end. Um, most recently in Luca, uh, also in our. Onward Review, uh, which is the last movie before the pandemic that I saw in theaters, as well as Inside Out, not Inside Out, uh, Soul, Soul, and um, so you know what version of Pixar are we getting? This seems like something that's completely, you know, uh, different but weirdly, um, you know, within their formula of of taking something and, and doing something unexpected with it so like well it's, it looks like pixar sort of making their version of a summer blockbuster yeah, where which is domi cool. she's turning red which is also opening and we should also say that i think both of these movies will be playing theatrical only where the last few pixar films yeah um luca soul and then even onward uh after the were pandemic disney were releases, disney plus yeah. and they were free so it, it looks like pixar is going back to uh theatrical is releases only i want to see both of these movies in, in a theater for sure um, yeah, doing their summer blockbuster Star Wars-y kind of movie. And I think it's so interesting. And I was talking with some people on Twitter about it. Um, and, you know, there's the, you know, everyone poking fun at uh, Chris Evans for being like, it's not about, you know, Buzz Lightyear, the toy. It's about the man that inspired the toy. I think that's really funny. That tweet is hilarious. Um, I think Chris Evans is very earnest. And I think he really cares about, you know, uh it and stuff like that and I i'm think just grateful kinda, it's not chris pratt voicing him yes thank christ um <laughs> um and i i love all that and then when you get this trailer and it's unexpected of going like i kind of knew the vibe they would go for based on that but then this almost to me looks like a in-universe as sorry nevis is cooking if you can hear that in the background um but an in-universe movie in the toy story universe like this is the movie that andy would have watched that made him love Buzz Lightyear or even better, which is I hope the route that they take is like sort of satirizing or putting that Pixar lens on, you know, the gritty, you know, reboot or the legacy sequel kind of thing of like, this is now a movie that they made about Buzz Lightyear, the toy, but made it like, so Chris Evans tweet isn't necessarily true, but in the toy story universe, it's like, Pixar or Disney is making a movie about Buzz Lightyear, but it's serious now. And it's for those kids that, cause Andy's an adult and he grew up with Buzz Lightyear that Andy would go see this version of this Buzz Lightyear movie. That's serious. And like, uh, and, and stuff like that. So I, I don't know. I kind of loved it. I think the, the animation looks incredible. Um, I love Starman being used in it. I just thought the a lot of David was, Bowie right now. So both yeah. Lightyear and licorice pizza. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, Bowie's hot right now. Oh, Nevis oh. is setting off fire alarms. <laughs> you love it. First time cooking during yeah. the podcast. I love that. 
you gotta press the uh, one second, everyone. Eric Vamp about Lightyear. All right, I'll be back. Yeah. So to to Matt's point, it's it is interesting that you know you have a character within the Andy universe um, who is now kind of getting his own film, but within sort of the movie version of a Pixar universe. You think of like Tarantino always talking about characters from Pulp Fiction or Reservoir Dogs going to visit. Uh, or visit uh, going to see movies and the movies that they watch are films like you know Kill Bill or Inglorious Bastards or things like that but then it's also interesting to think like okay where does the um, Buzz Lightyear animated series fit into all of this is are, are they going to be taking plot elements and characters from that animated series from the late 90s early 2000s and applying that there or are they going to specifically do their own thing are we going to see you know a character like zorg uh pop up specifically uh in in this as well and and you know if it's successful is it going to kind of be um pixar's kind of franchise moving forward i think that'll kind of be interesting as well to kind of think like oh is pixar now going to try to do like their own franchise series. And, and um, I think that might be interesting. Uh, thank you for doing that. I don't know. Yeah. Said, I, I uh, was talking about, I was, I quickly mentioned, you know, the comparison to like how Tarantino characters in Reservoir yes. Dogs and Pulp Fiction would go and see. Yes. Movies, that's exactly like, the comparison. Inglorious and, and, and Kill Bill and things like that. But then also on top of that, I was asking the question or proposing the question of, you know, uh, where does the animated series that came out in the late nineties, yeah. early two thousands fit into all this? Bond are they taking is. plot points from that? And then are, are they going to take, I think they will. And someone, Zorg is Zorg gonna pop up in this? Oh yeah, there's that scene where like it's definitely Emperor Zerg, right? Zerg, yeah, Um, Zorg. um, uh, Coming out, like you you see them teasing that, and um, I think you're you're spot on with the Tarantino thing. That's exactly what I was saying to Cameron Kennedy um, uh, on Twitter, and I do think the animated series. Someone else brought up that this could be like the gritty reboot of that animated series, and I even think that animated series was sort of like that's the cartoon that Andy would have watched, right? Yeah, that's how I kind of interpret that cartoon too. So, um, and is this going to be an ongoing thing? Like, if it's if it's popular, which I'm sure it will be, are we getting um, a gritty Woody movie? I, oh, this, yeah, <laughs> gritty Woody. Because uh, <laughs> I saw like again last having hand out, handing out candy, there was yeah. about like six or seven kids that were dressed up as Buzz Lightyear. Hell so, yeah. I love, so, I mean, I had the Buzz Lightyear toy. Yeah. I was obsessed with Toy Story. And I know it's like silly. Gritty, gritty like, Woody. <laughs> we might get Woody's Roundup, the movie after this. Um, I, I'm very excited for this. And I, um, it's silly. It is that Disney thing that people would make fun of and just say like, they're, you know, ruining <laughs> movies. And I'm like, eh, you know what? As long as we still get like, I'm I'm for a wide range of movies and I'm here for the Buzz Lightyear movie. Like, well, this I, makes more sense than doing like I I think Woody would be the other character that they would do a spin-off movie or something in the from same From Toy vein. Story or yeah yeah. Yeah, within the to- Give me like the if- Mr. Potato Head movie or, or- <laughs> Give me the Ham film. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> ham John Ratzenberger just literally, yeah. you know, giving one-liners for uh for over the course of an hour and a half to two hours oh, my condo's not on fire we're good don't worry that's good um but yeah like like buzz Lightyear does make sense and i like that if they're going to do one of these movies at least pixar is in control of it and it's not necessarily like 
Disney animation. Nothing against yeah, Disney. No, that's why anim- I have faith animation. in this. And it, it seems like a cool idea that would maybe excite them. Like it doesn't that seem like Woody a cars excite them. Yeah, yeah. Um, a great it doesn't seem to cars. me like a Cars two or three that feels almost like an obligation. Like this does I mean, feel like someone had. We did get a Cars gritty reboot with T ten. So. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, yeah. Um, imagine. Um, that would be good. <laughs> I, uh, I this screams to me like something that doesn't feel like you know uh, someone Bob Iger going. You have to make the Buzz Lightyear movie. Like I don't think anyone was necessarily asking for that. That almost seems like someone just had a cool idea of going. Hey, we could make our Star Wars movie or a big action blockbuster. I mean, they've kind of done that with Incredibles with superhero movies and stuff like that. But yeah. like, um. I, I still think that this is like, oh, we can make our own sci-fi blockbuster, summer blockbuster movie. And I think that's – and have that, you know, that perfect thing that we say that we love about Pixar that, you know, makes it for adults and kids and is equally as entertaining, thoughtful, funny in different ways for those two different groups. Like this will just be a fun Buzz Lightyear action movie and I feel like – you know, people joked about it looking like Ad Astra and I'm just like, or first I'm all, man, right? Or first man. And I'm like, I'm all for that. And I have all the faith that Pixar can take a stupid idea like the Buzz Lightyear movie and make something spectacular from it. And that trailer is just a first hint of it. And I'm, I, I think it looks great. And I'm like shocked at that. And um, I think Chris Evans being the voice is is wonderful and um i can't wait to see you know who else pops up in the movie and how they kind of you know handle those sci-fi elements and and um i'm just i'm really weirdly looking forward to it so um, which i mean i know we're going to talk about the uh the book of boba fett but i think we could also kind of squeeze that squeeze this in news wise which i think is kind of maybe has some similarities is that you also have um Greta Gerwig directing a Barbie movie where the cast is both Margot Robbie as as Barbie and it's a live action film uh and recently Ryan Gosling as Ken and then on top of that the script is co-written by Gerwig and Noah Baumbach and you're <laughs> yeah. thinking they're like why am I intrigued by like well the reason why I'm intrigued is because of all those people of but like people I would involved. have never have thought yeah. of been like interested in a a Barbie Barbie movie movie. and I'm still skeptical to a certain degree, but at the same time, like I feel like there's something interesting you can say about like, I I have faith in those people that they'll take it an interesting lens on a commentary on Barbie and just that and stuff like that. Like I think is really, really interesting. And yeah, it's a great point because obviously the best, you know, cinematic representation of Barbie and Ken is in toy story three. And, um, they should have got Michael Keaton as Ken. <laughs> I would love that. I hope there's some nod to that somewhere. But um, the gritty Barbie and and yeah, maybe it is in the Toy Story universe. But it almost reminds um, me like the way that they're kind of setting it up almost like a little bit um, or similar almost in vain to like something like Enchanted where you have like an animated Disney princess character coming out of her world into ours and it's a fish out of water thing. But it also it's trying to kind of uh, meld both you know, her world and our world together, but also kind of make some interesting points about sort of, you know, why that character or that sort of product when created was created in a way that was meant to be regressive in some senses, Very with, much of the specifically time, yeah. with Barbie and, and things like that. So it it is 
it's a huge curiosity, like thinking like, oh, like, you know, Ryan Gosling, who, you know, doesn't like to work often. And when he does, he's very choosy. He was also announced yeah. to do a Wolfman movie um, that he's been attached to for a while. Lee Wanell dropped out um, and uh, Derek Sinefrance has come on to direct. So this will be the third time he's worked with uh, the director of Blue Valentine in The Place Beyond the Pines. And so if that has got him interested in, in scheduling permits, there has to be something there. And like, it's just such a weird thing to be kind of curious and excited, excited for, for no, I feel a you. Barbie movie, yeah. like out of all things. Will Barbie play Tiff? Probably. Will, will, um, will Aqua, will that song be in there somewhere? I hope so. <laughs> um, I'm looking forward to both Lightyear and, uh, and Barbie. So uh, yeah, the last trailer I do want to talk about you brought up today. They dropped the trailer for uh, Book of Boba Fett. Um, and I, I'm i hearing no, noises from the kitchen from Nevis, and I don't know what it means. Um, I uh, I dug the Boba Fett trailer. Um, we're getting Disney Plus Day on the 12th. I thought we might get more there, but we did get the teaser um, today for it. And uh, I like seeing, you know, the gritty underworld on Tatooine, like um, uh, post- you know, Jedi, um, and just seeing Boba Fett kick some ass. I like that little, uh, spider at the beginning. I like, Oh yeah. The, the uh, I, um, it's something monk or, or monk. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it, watching the trailer, like it, it, it does feel like Robert Rodriguez is, is, is a part of this. Yeah. Um, but it does feel like the best sort of version or the version that, you know, Guillermo del Toro wanted to even make it one time of tales yeah. from Jabba's palace. Yes, and exactly. It, it has like, there's a lot of stuff in there that, that isn't shown, but I, I, I would love to know more about, um, what's that mummy guy up to? <laughs> well, I was going to say like him escaping from the pit. Like I, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping really there will be they... an episode on that, even though that again, like it's they like classic flashback that, right? exposition. I, I think so. But you kind of have to, you have to. If you're doing a Boba Fett show, you have to show how he got out. Yeah. And so stuff like that is that has me excited. It is interesting, though, that the show isn't coming out until the 28th of December, um, which not necessarily isn't a bad thing. It's still within the calendar year of it's just it's interesting that it's a post Christmas and holiday show for the most part. Like you'd think that like, well, you have Hawkeye that will lead directly into it, right? Because originally, well, not, not that it's connected. Like that almost. Sounds no, like I just mean yeah. like so they don't overlap. Yeah. Because I think I was talking to Tim Geddes of Kind of Funny when I was doing the Star Wars Visions because they announced the premiere date of Boba Fett and they're like that's when the Hawkeye finale was supposed to air and now we got the news that Hawkeye will have the first two episodes on uh, its premiere date, which means it will end a week earlier than Boba Fett. So I think that's probably like the only reason why. And like, I don't know, like a post Chris, we also are getting Cobra Kai on new year's Eve. Right. So like, um, I feel like, you know, that post Christmas, like when everyone's kind of home after the holidays kind of thing, isn't necessarily a bad time to premiere something. We're like people... scream, right? We're scream that trailer. Like people are excited for that. And I guess it's something we, we didn't talk about because we haven't been on uh, the, for the trailer. I guess we haven't. Ta- I thought we did the last episode. Did we? Maybe. I oh, thought... you know, we did. We yeah, did. Because we did. The whole thing I said, you scream, all, I scream. Right, scream right, right. Four, five it's, scream. It's been so long since um, we've done a regular show yeah, that it's like. Yeah. 
like what have we missed what have we not missed but but thinking about like people kind of responding to the early january date for that film is kind of weird spot for that right but again the 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 world we live in right now it i don't think it matters time doesn't matter dates don't matter uh points don't matter Matter. whose line is it (laughs) 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 colin mockery and ryan Uh, styles here i bet you we could get them um maybe not um yeah i don't know i'm looking forward to it i like you know the seedy underbelly of star wars is kind of fun and like it uh you know the criminal criminal syndicates on uh, on tatooine um what the are all guards look more ripped um, and weirdly yeah. um i don't want to say yeah. sexy but more like less piggish i guess r.i.p to my boy bib fortuna he's over there yeah. somewhere will watto um, show up god they're on tatooine uh, if any show is going to have Watto, it's going to be this yeah. and or at least some other Toydarians. But like, um, I really hope Watto is still alive <laughs> or would he? Yeah, because this would be it'd be I don't know how long Toydarians live. Let's let's right. Google this shit before. we. Well, also, up. you got to think about like, what's his health like? I mean, when we saw he him the was, last yeah. time. He Did was he wearing a shaved? hat. Yeah. <laughs> How long do uh, toy dar? It's toy darians. Is that what their race is called? I have no idea. Um, toy darians. Yeah, I was right. I know my Watto. Um, uh, what is the lifespan of a toy darian on Reddit? Is Watto nothing but dead bones in episode seven to nine? This is important. That was someone's question. In Legends, they have an average lifespan of up to 91 standard years. Watto's age has never been given. This is from Yukel Norf on Reddit uh, from four years ago. Watto's age has never been given, but given the timeline involved, even if he was born 20 years before he's first seen in The Phantom Menace. So he's only 20? This guy went... went, That's a hard living 20. In brackets, he went a highly unlikely point. So he'd be at least 80 by the time of Force Awakens. So no more likely he's already dead by the time the First Order launches. But after Return of the Jedi, he could be alive. But so, that's also that's also specifying that, you know, where where is he getting the age from the 91? Yeah, he's saying, well, the, he's like in Star Wars Legends, they say they have an average lifespan of and Legends are canon, I think. But yeah, so average lifespan up to 91 standard years. And I don't know when the last time we saw or heard of Watto. I guess you could in... see Watto also popping up at some point uh, in the Obi-Wan series. Ooh, yeah. Now you're on to something too, Eric. That would make the most, uh, I think that would make the most sense because, because there is somewhat that would of a be connection, a just relationship. In the prequel timeline yeah. for the most part. Because last time we saw Watto, a buddy comedy with two. Obi-Wan and Watto. Were they playing space on, cops? I'm on Star Wars Wikipedia right now. Looking up uh, Watto. Um, da, 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 da. Age of the Empire. During his exile on Tatooine after Order 66, Obi-Wan Kenobi purchased a humidifier from Watto at an inflated price. Uh, oh, this is after Kenobi was killed by Darth Vader on the Death Star. Spoilers, everyone. Sorry. Kenobi found himself in a vision of his hut on Tatooine. He noted that the humidifier was not in the vision among other recent additions that were missing. He then realized the vision was of an earlier time 
uh, in his hut around from three years into his exile. So after Order 66, which is after the events of um, Return of the Sith, uh, right? That's what the third episode three? Yeah. Is that what? Yeah. Um, Obi-Wan Kenobi purchases a humidifier from Watto. So he does see him again. When he what a weird thing there. to have a vision of. <laughs> um so out of I everything mean, that affected your life so we like know Watto, we know life. if they're going to show us obi-wan living on tatooine there might be an uh, an interaction with watto um i would love that um, and it would be amazing if he's buying a humidifier from him <laughs> i love yeah so stupid um i'm not a moisture farmer i need this humidifier <laughs> uh eric i do gotta wrap it up uh yeah. shortly uh any other news or anything that we missed over the last couple of weeks that was big i'm sure there was something um, i just can't think of off the top of my head other than the the barbie news which was kind of just interesting in general i'm trying um, to think of anything blew my mind that we texted each other i guess i can look at now on oh my phone's being used as a, uh, a camera because uh, on the new Apple update, they said like shared with you, like anything you share links and shit like that. That um, uh, Other than that, let me look. We covered the DC fandom stuff and that would have been the last thing that we did. So I don't really see. Oh, Dune. Crazy. Dune part two. I think oh, that, yeah. that's worth that's big. mentioning. <laughs> you can tell our enthusiasm. Um, which I, I think mean, we're both good we're both thing. glad it's happening. I yeah, think. we're not like against he, Denny Villeneuve continuing to be successful in the film, doing better than um, the second or, weekend drop off was pretty brutal. But yeah, but I, that's not completely surprising since it's also available, you know, to stream in Max, the yeah. US on HBO Max. Um, but hopefully, I, my my biggest sort of positive outlook on this is that part two will help make part one feel like a whole experience yeah. where again, I think the biggest problem that we both had is that the film is just a prologue and it doesn't feel like it's an actual movie. It just kind of feels like you're watching this sort of. So I feel like it almost a review is just like, is you should throw it out the window really. Cause it doesn't matter what we thought of it because it is half of a story. And like, yeah, like it's really not even, like... it's not even a self-contained story. Yeah. Like that's the thing that bothers me the most about it because you have all these great sort of filmmakers, whether it be, you know, people like Nolan or him always talking about making the best movie you can within the two to three hours that you have. And to tell the story from beginning to end where the movie only gets interesting when it ends and it's only the beginning when it ends. And when you get to that ending, it's like, okay, well, most of this movie served the point of being just world building and mm -hmm. just kind of establishing characters and storylines that will continue on. There's nothing necessarily wrong with that, but at the same time, if you know, you're not going to get that movie or there's a possibility of that not happening, you're only getting part of the story. Yeah. And even the Lord of the Rings films, like, each one of those movies, Peter Has Jackson was, story and they yeah, together yeah. and he was smart enough to know that like, yeah, that he was shooting those films back to back to back, but he was also smart enough to know that, okay, like each one of those movies can stand on their own. Yeah. Where Dune totally just agree. doesn't feel like it stands on its own. Totally agree with you there, but I am glad it's getting that part too. Cause I do want to see what that complete vision is uh does look like and, and he and, wants to do dune messiah which is yeah. also very re really weird which seems like that's well. a separate thing right so like yeah. it seems like he's 
this was very much half of a movie and now we're getting confirmation that we're getting the second half of the movie. So I might almost re-review Dune as one movie when the second movie comes out. I would do that as well. And again, um, it chapter one still felt like a movie from beginning to end. Yeah. And I put it even Kill Bill, uh, one of my favorite Tarantino movies. Like I don't, I, I can't split that movie up and say I would review one half and the other half. I review it as Kill Bill. So I will affair. I will definitely take back my review of Dune Part One. Well, not take back, but looking at it from the point of view of this was a theatrical release of Part One. Yeah, and this is how I saw the film and reviewed it. Now that I've seen Part Two, I'll review Part Two as its own thing, but then then I'll also review it as a whole movie. I agree with you there. So So you can look at it three different ways. So I'm just glad it did well enough that it's getting that Part Two. It's like Fear Street. Um, (laughs) Sure, remember that. I don't think that really worked out because I don't think anyone. But no, but it would be the same though, right? Where like if you released only one of those movies. And you were establishing all these characters and storylines and Netflix was saying, okay, we'll green light a sequel to this if it's successful enough. But if it isn't, you know, review this movie as its own thing. Yeah. That's almost impossible because the whole film, the whole trilogy hinges on it being a series. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally agree. Okay, guys, I think I am going to wrap it there because I got to eat dinner and go get groceries. Um Appreciate everyone for listening uh, and watching on YouTube uh, with this wonderful background that I have. Um, If you like this, we have a lot of other shows like Untitled Movie Reviews we would love for you guys to go check out. Uh, We just reviewed uh, Chloe Zhao's The Eternals. Uh, so you guys should check that out. Spoiler free review is up on YouTube and podcast services. Um, our other shows, conversations, uh, just search for untitled movie reviews, untitled movie podcast or untitled movie conversations, and you'll find the rest of the shows. Uh, you can search for any one of those. Or you uh, go to the letterbox HQ account. Untitled underscore cast. Appreciate that, Eric. Yeah, everything is there. That's probably the best spot. A one-stop shop. All the YouTube links are there. The podcast links. Uh, the links out to our social pages, everything is over on our Letterboxd HQ. Um, I have this set up now, so we should be able to freely record. Uh, so we'll start to be a more consistent going back to the weekly podcast as well as reviews. Eric and I, um, my next episode should be fun because Eric and I are going to Los Angeles this weekend. So, um, it should be uh, an interesting show when we get back. Uh, we're going for a Netflix event for the Critics' Choice Association. Um, and I am intrigued to see how that whole thing will go, but I'm very excited to do that with you. So uh, Same. next next episode should be a lot of fun about our um, trip to – our very, very quick trip to L.A. <laughs> um, and uh, so stay tuned for that on the 106th episode, which means that you'll probably get the podcast like – tuesday or wednesday of next week because we're getting home on uh, monday morning and then going straight to see a movie so next week will be uh, chaotic but it'll be fun uh appreciate you all as always my name is matt rohrbeck you can find more of my work around the internet but mostly at untitledmoviepodcast.com and you can follow me on all those social medias at matt rohrbeck and i'm eric martian you can find more of my uh, video reviews on rogerstv.com slash cinema scene and on the social medias at em6211 until next time i gotta go buy a humidifier you think watto has a couple left